Welcome to Snack Circle. I'm Jordan. And I'm Marin. Grab a snack and let's hang out. Yeah, this week we are going to be talking about how I did not know the gender of my baby until he was born. Uh, well, we were told the wrong gender. And I'm going to also be touching on postpartum depression and anxiety. And just we're just going to have a conversation about overall women's health in this area of maternity care. Yeah, so to start off, Marin, what have you been up to? What have you been watching? What have you been listening to? I just started watching The Mole on Netflix. Have you seen it? Ooh, I've seen that you've been watching it. (laughs) No, literally, I used Jordan's family's Netflix account. Like, I just bum off of her. So she does see everything I watch. Um, no, I watched the whole season in one day. What is it like reality or TV or is it like, um, I think you would really like it. It's kind of like a mix of survivor and big brother. Like they all live in this really nice house and they like travel throughout Australia and live in hotels. So they like still get to live in comfort, but then they go out on these missions and basically there's like a group of them, maybe 20 of them. And then one person is a mole who's like trying to sabotage everything so it's like i think there's another show like this where they earn money but only at the end the person left standing gets that money so everyone wants to earn the money on these missions because they want to be the one who gets it in the end but only one person gets it but at the same time there's like this double agent who's doing things in each mission to sabotage them to make them lose money so, like, say if they're supposed to, like, ice blocks from up a mountain and, like, each ice block has $10,000 in it, the mole is, like, grabbing these ice blocks and throwing it out the window or whatever. It's, like, but they have to play it cool. Yeah, it's, like, Among Us. Like, somebody's the imposter. Okay, I guess it is like that then, Among Us. But it's not spooky. It's not super spooky. This weird vibe to it. Like, I feel, I'm, like, should I be scared? But I'm, like, no, I'm literally not scared. Um, but... At the end of each week, they take a quiz about the mole, like how many siblings do they have? What color dress were they wearing tonight? Or what outfit were they wearing tonight? Is it a male or female? And obviously the mole knows everything about themselves. So they get to stay the whole competition. But then everyone else is trying to answer the quiz correctly. And if you like get the most amount of answers wrong, you get voted out and you have to leave. And so it's crazy because you as the viewer, you also don't know who it is. So you're like trying to figure it out with them. And you like think it's one way, but you think it's the other. It's fun. That sounds so good. Yeah, that sounds like such a bingeable show. And of course, we watched the World Series and we saw the Astros win. And that was really fun. Um, and we're going to Houston tomorrow, so I'm curious if Houston will still just be lit and partying it up. I know they had the parade on Monday. Nick was like, we should go. And I'm like, sir, we're not going to drive five hours to Houston when we're going to go on Friday. But yeah, just watching a lot of sports. Uh, that's fun. I can't can't even remember the last time I watched a sport. I guess, no, like when Serena Williams played her last match, like I was crying. I was telling Nick it was almost kind of cool how she didn't win and he was like why she literally lost her last game and I was like I feel like that's kind of sweet that she like is ushering in a new generation yeah she's like passing the torch like and just what she said like 
the crowd was behind her it was just what a moment like i was like this is history in the making and i'm watching it at this mexican restaurant with my family like this is (laughs) sipping a margarita i'm like ideal (laughs) that is ideal what have you been watching and enjoying you know i feel like all my shows are on pause except for survivor um like abbott elementary didn't even have a new episode this week so i just watched survivor earlier today like i won't give any spoilers but wait i feel like maybe we could do spoilers because it'll be like a week after when this airs okay did you see it yeah i watched it okay like i loved janine like i always love the little like skinny girls that like clearly aren't gonna make it till the end like i love that but um also i mean she made the wrong moves like never give someone your idol like that's literally survivor 101 you keep that idol with you till the end like mistake and james didn't even play that advantage i know i'm like what's the point of having five thousand immunity idols if nobody's like doing anything with them at this point i'm like okay go back to no idols then because you know i'd be whipping it out like i would be using my immunity whenever i could i would not be going home Except whenever Dwight was being voted out, I felt like Janine kept, like, reaching back for his knee. And I don't know if she was, like, comforting him, but I was kind of like, is she trying to be like, give me my idol back? Because she kept reaching behind her. I think she was trying to, I think she was like, give it to me, give it to him. And I think if he actually had it, he would have. But he didn't have it, and he couldn't be like, girl, bad news. I gave it to Jesse. <laughs> I didn't see it going this way. Would you have just, like, straight up said in the middle, like, of him leaving, been like, Dwight, give me my idol? Or would you have just, like, would you have rather had an idol and everybody know about it or not have your idol because it goes home with someone because you can't say it out loud? I think I, yeah, I would have, like, stood up, hugged him and been like, give it to me. (laughs) You know, like, because also everyone kind of did know she had it. Like, it was the talk of the town that she had that idol, like give him a big hug and be like give it to me now because i was listening to one of the survivor recap podcasts and they were saying like that's they were like reading the rule book i guess because they were like what's the rules on that and like um that's it like if they walk out they walk out like and i'm like that's sad yeah, and it's even more frustrating to know that Jessie had it that whole time. That she was like, oh, I can't believe... Like, she's beating herself up. She feels so bad. And he and- has it, which I really feel like... I mean, I love Jesse so much. I feel like he could win. He's definitely a villain. Like, he became a villain out of nowhere. Like, I know. But kind of like... It, he's, like, charming, though. Like, he's, like, a charming villain. Hmm like boston rob which is their new thing i'm kind of like um bring back the like bad villains like everybody is like because they play up their backstory so much now i'm like you can't really root against anybody like i guess maybe like sammy like i'm literally like don't like sammy at all but everyone else i'm like like you have to feel bad for them like because you know their whole life story like bring back where you didn't know a thing about these people and they were just backstabbing each other and you were like villain (laughs) 
I don't want the nuance on Survivor. I want you to be bad or good. I'm voting you off or I'm keeping you around. I know. I That's kind of funny because I feel the same way about Sammy. Like, lately he's been, like, trying to scheme to, like, get out of that top seven and, like, flip on them. And I'm like, I literally don't care what you do. Like, please leave. Like, are you going to go far? Because I can't with you. No. And Sammy's whole thing is that he's 19 and he's, like, lying that he's 22. I'm like, buddy, it's the same. <laughs> like, it's literally the same. No one was going to be like, ooh, he's 19. Like, they're they're still probably saying, ooh, he's 22. Like, they're like a baby. Well, I think the big thing is that if he were to win, he'd be the youngest person to ever win. And so I could see them. If he went to the end, they'd be like, oh, like. But I'm like, I really don't think the jury would be like, yes, I want the youngest person to win Survivor. Like, I don't really think that's something that appeals to the jury. But I feel like he thinks it is. Like, I'm a threat because I'll be the youngest yeah he's like i'm gonna bring this out and then the, he'll he'll say it and they'll be like okay <laughs> they're like why did you lie <laughs> no but someone did say that they were just like i would not let someone who can't even drink alcohol win and beat me in survivor and i was just like that's a weird complex to have like they can't get a margarita then suddenly they're a threat to you like no for sure well we'll see disappointing week but I, I mean, I have other favorites. I, I really only don't like Sammy and Cody. Everyone else, I, yeah, everyone else I feel like good vibes for. I also am like, stop voting out all the women. <laughs> I know, and I feel like Cody is going to make it to the end, too. I feel like they're showing a lot of Cody, Jesse, Sammy. Carla, too, kind of. Carla, yes! She's kind of getting, like, a winner's edit, I feel like. Like, they're really trying to make her look super smart. And I'm sure she is smart, but, like, I feel like every time they do anything, they're, like, genius. Like, look at this girl. And I'm like, okay, well, I feel like she's just making, like, the same moves as everyone else. Would she be the first um, LGBTQ plus woman to win Survivor if she won? Good question. I think, unless, I don't know, I haven't seen every season, but probably the first one who was, like, out. I mean, I think she literally went to Berkeley? She went to some, or, like, Ivy League school, and she got, like, a huge scholarship. She got, like, a Bill Gates scholarship or something like that. And I was like, okay. Yeah, I feel like they're really giving her a winner's edit, so we'll see. But let's get into this week's topic. So this is a crazy story. Like, I still tell the story to everyone I know. Um, Marin, please tell us about the gender of your firstborn child. <laughs> so I found out I was pregnant in November of 2020, and it was a shock, Um and we're, we, like, knew we wanted to have kids, but we, like, didn't know it would be that soon. But we were, like, okay. I've always wanted to be a mom, but, like, for some reason, finding out, I was just, like, what? Like, I'm in charge of another life. Like, I suddenly felt so anxious, which was so weird because I've, like, been around kids my whole life and, like, love children and obviously always wanted to be a mom. But for some reason, I was, like, this is it. I'm doing the thing. Like, my life is about to change so much. And from, like, the second I found out, I was, like, I really think it's a girl. 
I don't know why, but I was like, I just, I'm just a girl's girl, like we've talked about on this podcast. Like, I'm really close to my mom and sister too. And I just like, obviously, I'm going to have a girl. I don't know what to do with a boy. Like, Jesus would not do that to me. I'm having a girl. And um, then at our anatomy scan, which is like the big level two ultrasound they do, where they like, measure the baby's bones and like check all their chambers of their heart and their brain and their kidneys and all that good stuff they also tell you the gender and we had planned to do like a big gender reveal with all of our friends and our family was gonna like zoom call in and it was snowing outside so everything was white and we were gonna like pop these like biodegradable you know environmentally friendly confetti cannons (laughs) and um So we didn't watch the actual gender part of the ultrasound. We just had the ultrasound tech write it down and then put in a little envelope. And we told her that we thought it was a girl and we like closed our eyes and she was like, all right, I have a pretty good idea of what it is. And she like types on her little keyboard. And looking back, I'm like, pretty good? Or were you absolutely sure? (laughs) I'm pretty sure I do know and I was like and you know like with when it's your first baby you're just you don't know how these things go like you're just like no you're not asking any questions you're like yeah girl you know what you're talking about (laughs) I don't even know what I'm looking at they're like oh it's its foot and I'm like really I could not tell (laughs) so then I gave the envelope to my friend Kaylin and she saw it and it's so cute she actually recorded herself looking at it which is really sweet so then she like put the right confetti cannons in the bag and gave it to us and then we like went out to the little snowy field and the whole day I actually was like convinced it was a boy and I was just like so nervous because I was like I have literally built up having a girl in my head so much like I literally said like I feel like it's a girl and I'm a really big like intuition person and I'm just like what kind of mom am I if I like didn't guess the gender of my baby correctly and I was like oh my god but all day I was so nervous like I barely ate I was like like so so nervous I was like it is a boy and I don't know you just with your first baby you build up those really small things like the gender like it literally does not matter it is your child and you're gonna love it no matter what but like I don't know you're excited and you like get your hopes upset on something so I was literally like it is a boy like and everyone's gonna be like you were wrong about the gender and like you guessed wrong but then we like literally shot off our little confetti cannons and I saw pink and I was just like oh my gosh like I was right it is a girl and I was like yay and literally, I jumped on Nick and was so excited. Um, yeah, so <laughs> we were told it was a girl. <laughs> and we had, like, a name that we both loved. And we decorated our nursery. We had, like, two baby showers. <laughs> Jordan went to the one. And I wore my pink dress and had little cookies. And um, literally have so many girl clothes. And I, like, painted the nursery with, like, pink rainbows And I also wrote a journal every week of my pregnancy. And once I found out the gender, I would, like, write it to my daughter. And, like, specifically just about, like, being a woman and, like, all those things and, like, called her by her name. And I was just really – and, like, you picture having your baby and, like, 
you just picture the clothes you're going to bring them home in and um, because that's all they are to you. Like you don't know what they'll look like, but you can picture their clothes and um, just like their wedding one day or them going off to college one day or them having a fight with their best friend and you go take them shopping. You know, like all the things you do with your mom and that are just sweet. Like you just picture that life. Then we were at the hospital. Um, My water broke at like 37 weeks and we went in and um, like my baby just like wasn't handling contractions well. Like at one point their heart rate went down to like 35 beats per minute, which their heart rate should be like 140 to 160. So it was very, very low. I like stopped hearing it on the monitor and I literally was like, my baby is dead. Like what is happening? And like a group of people just like ran in and I was signing a little consent form and they were wheeling me back to the OR and literally the most terrifying experience ever. But Nick came in and just like held my hand and then I like heard our baby cry and my midwife got to assist in the surgery so she brought our baby over to us and I like look at Nick and I'm like oh my gosh that's our daughter and even saying that's our daughter felt so weird and actually earlier when I like first came into the hospital the pediatric nurse had come in and she looked at my chart and she was like oh you're having a girl are you sure like it's probably a boy and I was like you don't just like tell people that yeah, I'm like, no, like, those ultrasounds aren't wrong. Like, we're having a girl. And throughout my pregnancy, I'd had dreams that I was having a boy. And I'd be like, oh, I had a dream we're having a boy. And Nick was just like, oh, well, maybe our next baby will have a boy. Like, that would be fun to have a boy and a girl. It's like, yeah. and But I like, couldn't shake this feeling. Like, I almost wanted to get, like, another ultrasound. And then so for this nurse to come in and be like, oh, it's a boy. And then she just like leaves. And I literally never see this woman again. And it was weird because she was like the baby nurse. But I was so far from having a baby. I wasn't even in like active labor yet. So I was like, why did that random woman come in and just tell me I was having a boy? So our baby was born. And I just said like, that's our daughter. And my midwife was just like, Marin, it's a boy. And she was super happy. She's like, it's it's a boy, actually. And I was just like, no, it's not. It is not. And Nick just, like, looks at me smiling like he does so sweet. And he's just like, yeah, it is. <laughs> and the fact that he knew for a while before I did, because, like, he saw him be born and noticed right away that it was a boy. And, like, he didn't say anything to me because he's like, I don't – I didn't want to freak you out. Like, I didn't know how you'd react. And I just – I thought they were joking. I thought they were trying to like, you know, lighten the mood because my baby almost died or something. They're like, oh, haha, prank. It's a, it's a boy. And yeah, like such a quick, like in an instant shift, you know, like there was, you went from a whole future that you had planned and then all of a sudden, like with one little word, it's like everything got derailed that you had planned for. And you were like, I mean, you were not, like, somebody who was going into having a baby, like, without having stuff prepared. Like, you and Nick were prepared. So, it makes sense how you were just like, oh my gosh, <laughs> what do we do? No, and then they had to go take him to 
the little warming baby station and Nick went with him because that was part of my birth plan was that if like he needed to go away or not be with me I wanted Nick to be with him instead of be with me and so I'm just like laying there by myself getting my freaking uterus sewn up and I'm just like it sounds so stupid but like I just in that moment thought like I'm so stupid like I literally didn't know the gender of my own baby like I made everyone come to these baby showers and buy me all these girl clothes like I feel like I'm a liar like I feel like I don't even know my own baby I felt like I was pregnant with a different baby and like had a different you know like I really thought I was pregnant with a girl and then as if she had died and then I had this boy it was like this the weirdest feeling and probably because I was on a lot of drugs but it was I just remember thinking like that journal I wrote literally is irrelevant all those clothes I have hung up in the closet I'm not gonna use like those are just the things that you were so excited for for nine months like that's the only way you could really connect with your baby is like planning for them that way and I just felt like such a horrible mom for not planning for my baby like I felt like he would grow up and feel like he wasn't wanted or that he wasn't loved because he didn't come home and like the outfit I you know like just such stupid things that are not important now that I am a year and a half away from it but when you're so vulnerable and like laying it on OR table with your just stomach cut open you just think of all those things and you feel so much guilt as a mom already and so I feel like we were all so stunned like that that even happens anymore because you just I mean it's like back in the day okay when they couldn't really see but at this point we're like isn't technology like to a place where we know for sure like it was so so crazy um but I want to know like how do you feel like that impacted your postpartum journey like after you already left the hospital you take him home you're with your son in the pink nursery like how did that all go I just remember feeling a lot of anxiety like I wanted to go back in time and be pregnant again and like redo things and I've heard that same and this is so different I'm not trying to compare it but like I've heard moms talk about that like when they receive a down syndrome diagnosis at birth like they just feel like they were lied to their whole pregnancy and they feel so much guilt like they didn't know their own baby and they had all these dreams for their child And when you don't know much about Down syndrome and you're just handed this baby with Down syndrome, you're just like, like, will they talk? What will their future be like? Will they ever leave our home? Like, will they have, will they ever get married? Like, just those little thoughts of like almost grieving the life you thought you were going to have. And I just remember hearing a mom's story. And even though like it's so different and I have such a healthy baby and I'm so thankful, like it was the same experience for me where I really grieved like having a girl because not that having a girl is better than having a boy but just like the expectation of your situation and the time and thought you put into it Mm -hmm. and it's such like a human thing to dream like that like we're so prone to plan and think in our heads like this reality that we want to happen and like how rarely those things ever come to fruition. Like, we're, like, I feel like that always happens. Like, we're so quick to make all these 
ideas and plans and dreams and it's like we don't know like this is like such an like an example of we really don't know what's gonna happen like life really just comes at us yeah I feel like that is literally what I learned from Paxton's birth experience was because really nothing went the way I thought like I wanted to have like an unmedicated birth and I literally had the most intervention like literally an emergency c-section and then I thought I was gonna have a girl and I had a boy and like literally I was just like oh so I literally can't control anything in this life and um like at first I was so good I was like I'm chilling like everyone was checking on me like are you okay like I was like no this is so great like honestly like it's so funny that he's a boy like it was so scary having a c-section but like finding out it was a boy like everyone was laughing and just so shocked like it kind of lightened the mood and I was like honestly like it's kind of fun to like find out the gender of your baby at birth like it was kind of like I got both experiences and really I was in such a positive mindset and then I did go home and I like walked into that nursery and just like started sobbing and it was I think I was so emotional because I just felt so much guilt like I wasn't bringing him home to an environment that was made for him and he's literally a baby and he can't tell the difference but for me I'm just such a planner and I'm such a I like to be in control and I like to have the future figured out I'm like this is not how I would have decorated a boy nursery like I don't even have clothes for him and like everyone is so amazing and gave me so many boy clothes like literally tubs full of boy clothes when I got home and literally the sweetest friends ever but yeah in the moment I was just like I'm already like failing as a mom like I already don't know my child and yeah that period was just a lot of like anxiety of just like can I have a time machine like can I go back and make this right like I screwed this all up I need to start over like I I just felt like it was my fault and I did something wrong yeah which is just so crazy but I think as we're getting older and like more of our friends are having babies and um like I'm learning more about postpartum depression and like the baby blues and everything that happens after you have a baby and so I feel like how do you feel like that affected how you were mentally after you had your baby because already like that's such a precarious time I feel like for moms adjusting and then on top of that you have this whole like plan that didn't go the way you thought it would and even though I do want to say like you Pax didn't come home to the nursery that you like thought but of course he came home to like the best most loving situation for him but you know like how you felt in the moment it's like all these things happening at once that are kind of like you said out of your control I think it did cause a lot of postpartum anxiety. I felt so protective of him. And I knew I would be, like, a really protective mom. Like, I knew I would just be, like, an attached parent. Like, I knew I'd want to hold him all the time. I wouldn't want to set him down in a swing. Like, he was just, like, this little tiny fragile baby. Like, I didn't want to sleep train him. Like, I wanted to just be close to him all the time and, like, care for him and, like, 
meet his every single need and just you know he's a baby and I feel like some people are like oh don't spoil your baby and I'm like they're literally an infant like they are so new to this world like they can't even see like except for my face like they are so fragile and dependent on me like all they want is to just be, be close to you and be snuggled up to you and I just was extra protective of him and I just felt like I needed to like hold him all the time and just like if anyone was taking care of him or if anyone was holding him I was so scared and I would just have so many like intrusive thoughts like um like I would be drinking from my hydro flask and like you know how giant hydro flasks are and I'd be like what if I just drop it on his head and he dies and just like those little thoughts are like what if my mom's holding him and then like she just like turns and hits his head on a corner and like little things where it's like nobody's gonna do that with a baby but like in that moment you're just you don't have those thoughts and I think because I couldn't control knowing like his gender I couldn't control a lot of things about how he came into this world I just wanted to like make sure he was so safe and like I could control that and I just became like such a control freak and like developed postpartum OCD where just like not even like my house needed to be like perfectly spotless all the time but like I couldn't even have like a dish sitting in the sink like I needed to clean all the time or um like I just needed to like do everything in like a very specific order and I would just like have so many like reoccurring thoughts like, every morning at 3 a.m., I would, like, wake up in a panic attack and, like, jump out of bed and then have to realize, like, it's okay. Like, your baby is safe. Like, you're safe. And so I feel like just maybe that was, like, a huge contributing factor to my anxiety was literally just, like, the panic of, like, I wish I could go back in time. Like, you know, do you ever feel like that panicky feeling of just, like, oh, no, things got messed up. I need to fix it. Yeah, like trying to over like comp overcompensate for the fact that you felt like you you couldn't have planned for what happened. But how do you feel like you took care of yourself like in that time and at the end of your postpartum journey um and like what helped you in that time? So I feel like the care I received, I saw um midwifery group in Tacoma and Tacoma is like one of the biggest cities in Washington it has so many resources and this midwife practice was like nine midwives like I think I was like one of five patients they were seeing and they just practiced such holistic care like they handled everything so amazing and they were so supportive of me and then postpartum usually with an obstetrician or some midwives even, I guess, like, you have one six-week postpartum visit, and they, like, check you up, ask if you have depression, and send you home, like, but with this midwifery group, I literally saw them, like, one week postpartum, two weeks postpartum, four weeks postpartum, six weeks, eight, eight weeks, ten weeks, and they were even, like, we will provide care up until, like, one year postpartum, and that's, like, the standard of care all women should receive like all women should be looked after for one year because at six weeks you are not yourself at all like I could barely like go for 
30 minute walk at six weeks postpartum like and you know your mood is just so all over the place still and um, I was still feeling a lot of that anxiety at six weeks and I just remember like they give you a little survey I forget what it's called but it's basically like a postpartum depression survey and I scored like really like I scored for having severe postpartum depression and they like gave me some action steps like asked about medication but I was like I think I just like want to go to a therapist first and like do these other steps first and then I remember they were like call us after your first appointment with your therapist and I was like okay and then I think I just like forgot to call them or I just like you know and then I remember they called me and they were just like, hey, we just wanted to check up on you. Like, did you ever go do these three things like you said you would do? Like, and I just am like, an OB would have never called me. Like, maybe the OB I see is just very busy, but like, I can't think of any provider I've ever seen that literally makes time to call me and ask me how I'm doing. Or like, they would talk to me on the phone for like, yeah, check on me, like, instead of me going to them and having to pay, like, $200 to see them for five minutes, like, they're just calling me, like, and one time one of the midwives called me and just, like, see how I was doing, because I was, like, nervous about, like, how much blood I was losing, and she, like, explained that it was pretty normal, but if, like, these things happen to come in, and then she just, like, talked to me for 30 more minutes about, like, like, she was from Jamaica, and, like, in her family, like, they would always, like, wake up early with the baby, and, like, the first thing they would do is, like, go take them on a walk and just, like, get fresh air, and, like, it helps your circadian rhythm, and, like, she literally talked to me about this for 30 minutes, and I was, like, now I'm seeing an OB, I know, and now I'm seeing an OB with my current pregnancy, and, like, I literally have to beg her for, like, 20 minutes of her time to ask her questions, like, and that's just, like, such a problem with maternity care in our country is that OBs are so overbooked. They're so rushed. They don't have that time to care for patients. They probably want to be able to care for their patients the same way, like, my midwives cared for me. But they just, like, don't have that time or space or – and it's horrible, like, how overbooked they are and so busy and it just leaves women – to be the ones who have to fight for themselves, who have to deal with the repercussions of mental illness during postpartum and to not have that person to check up on them except for one time six weeks. And literally, like insurance companies, putting it in a woman's hands to do all her own research because essentially you have to show up to your OB's office and have all your research done to ask all the right questions just so that you have informed consent and the care that you deserve that's literally the bottom line like basic human nature but you have to go spend all this time researching and advocating for yourself just to get like a five-minute appointment you pay two hundred dollars for and like it's just crazy how obstetric care is set up in the U.S. or just maternity care in like standard places yeah it, it is insane I'm really thankful for I feel like the new 
like all the rhetoric about that now though because i feel like it's gotten way more mainstream to talk about like like you said like your midwives and informed consent and like all these terms and maybe before i just like wasn't paying attention but like all these terms i feel like it's becoming a lot more mainstream and like because women who have had babies are talking about it more like people are like oh my goodness i need to educate myself so that i'm not put in a situation where things are happening to me you know in the in my while i'm having my baby that i don't want to happen so i hope that like with our social media generation like that's what's good about social media and the internet is that things like this can spread so that people know um and learn from other people's experiences so that we can kind of put an end to this like really gross birthing practices that exist of like get you in and out and not listen to the mom and you know kind of it's all about money and dollar signs and and so I am thankful that that's like people are willing to talk about that because it's crazy Mm -hmm. and I'm gonna get on my soapbox for like five minutes but the way that modern maternity care is set up is rooted in racism and I love that we're seeing a resurgence and advocating that there should be more black midwives because black women are abused in labor like they're more likely to die in birth than their white counterparts because I listened to this podcast Dr. Nicole Calloway Rankins she's a black OBGYN and she had two cesareans and she's an OB and literally during her c-section she said like my epidural isn't strong enough I can feel you cutting like she could feel the whole procedure and they didn't believe her They thought she was just being dramatic and they're like, oh, you feel pressure. Like you're going to feel a little bit of pressure. She's like, no, I literally feel you cutting me open. Yeah, like I am in pain and you shouldn't feel pain in a cesarean. Like, I mean, you can feel like pressure, but you should not feel a surgery. And it was traumatizing for her. And there are so many, like even Beyonce almost died giving birth to her own child. And she is Beyonce, the most powerful (laughs) black woman in this country. And it's just this fact that, like, oh, black women are strong, they can get through it, or they're being dramatic, or they don't know what they're talking about. And it's horrible the way that women are treated. I mean, already women are told, like, you don't know your body, you don't know what's going on, your baby isn't doing well, you're not doing well. And again, in some cases, that is true. Like, I don't feel like I was lied to about my baby not doing well I don't think he would have been alive if it wasn't for modern medicine but I have heard so many stories of women trying to say my epidural is not working oh labor is painful you're still gonna feel some stuff like just so dismissive or afterwards they're like my legs do not feel good like there is something going wrong like can you check for a blood clot no, you just had a baby, you're just a little tired, you're okay, go home. And it turns out they have a brain clot, or a blood clot that was moving towards their brain. That could have killed them, but people don't listen. And it's because we have this system that is told, like, women are dramatic, they don't know what's going on in their own bodies, we have to tell them how to feel. And 
it's just ridiculous like and women do know their bodies like I think women are most in tune with their bodies than maybe men are like we go through so much as women from such a young age of 11 years old when we like first get our cycles like we know what when, when things aren't going well and there's just been so many cases where women aren't listened to and I don't think and I, I really do just think that history shows us it's based around sexism and racism, sadly. That makes so much sense. Birth, birthing process is so often traumatic in this country. And then you go through this huge trauma and then you have this little baby that, and they're just like, bye. Like you've just experienced this, you know, this thing that was horrible because we didn't listen to you and you're traumatized and we you know we ignored you and like go on your merry way with this whole human now that you are in charge of that's not going to let you sleep for however long and we're not going to check on you and and you have to feed it like from your own body and it's just like it's so much that like when you talk about it it's like yeah it doesn't make sense how we do this like it literally makes no sense it's a lot and I think there's also this narrative that goes around like well just don't have any expectations when it comes to your birth like just show up to the hospital they know what they're doing and some people have even told me like well you had a hard time with your son being born because you had too many expectations expectations like you shouldn't have found out your baby's gender you should have done a surprise when it was born like you shouldn't have planned so much. Like, you shouldn't have written that birth preference sheet. You shouldn't have even cared about your... Like, as long as your baby is healthy and you're healthy, that's all that matters. And I just don't agree with that narrative at all. I think that there can be space for you to plan and advocate for yourself and know what you want. And I don't think it's bad to want a certain birth. Like, whether that's a chosen cesarean, like an elective cesarean, elective induction, like you should know your options because you're not sick. You're just having a baby. Like I understand if I were going into the hospital and I had a broken leg, I don't need them to explain how they're going to put on the cast and do all the things. Like I'm hurting. I need you to fix my body. But the thing is with having a baby, like you're not there because you're sick. You're just there to be monitored and you're just there for people to observe and make sure you and your baby stay safe. But when there starts to be all these extra interventions and people doing weird things to your body without your consent, like, that's not okay. No. And in most cases, like, your body is well, in all cases, your body's going to have the baby. I mean, that's like what your the baby's in there if it's time for it to come out it's going to come out like it's not like you're going to the hospital to force it to come out like that's the birth process is natural it's going to happen it's all so so fascinating but I wanted to ask like what is if you could talk to someone who just got pregnant like just found out they're pregnant what advice would you give them what would you tell them from your experience you've had one baby and it was um a whirlwind experience you're pregnant again like what would you tell somebody who just found out they're pregnant or is pregnant now yeah I would tell them 
like I said, know your options, like whatever you decide to do, but just know what you legally have the right to say yes or no to. Like, know that it is your body and your doctor can suggest things, but ultimately, this is your body and you can deny things. Like, you don't have to have a cervical check from 34 weeks to 40 weeks or 41 weeks just because a doctor said so. Like, no, a doctor does not have to stick their hand up your, you know, just because they're like, this is what we do. Like, if you want that, get it. Go for it, girl. But if you don't, it's okay to say no thank you or to ask questions. I think as a birthing person or a mom, like you, there's so much power in just asking a question. Like I always go with the acronym BRAIN, which is the benefits, the risks, the alternatives, intervention, and what happened, and then nothing. What happens if we do nothing? And like the benefit, just asking like, hey, what is what's the risks and benefits of doing this? Like if they're asking to schedule an induction, just be like, okay, well, what are the risks and benefits of me having an induction? And then they'll say them. And then it's like, okay, well, what happens if we do nothing? What happens if I don't have an induction? Like just asking questions or something that even starts at the very beginning of your pregnancy, like having a 12-week ultrasound, like if you don't want to have an ultrasound and some people don't like to have ultrasounds, like literally just asking like, what are the benefits of having this ultrasound? Are there any risks of having an ultrasound? And, or when you get your, even a flu shot or something being like, is there any risk to getting this flu shot? Like I got the COVID vaccine when I was pregnant and I asked my midwife, like, what are the benefits? What are the risks? Like just asking and advocating for yourself and knowing like, truly being informed about what is happening to your body I think saves women from being traumatized in their birth like because we can't control what's gonna happen to us like we don't know like it's 50 50 it's 50 percent your body and 50 percent the baby's body like and I couldn't control what Paxton I couldn't control that Paxton's umbilical cord was wrapped around his body and his arm and his you know Like, I can't control that, but I can control that, you know, I did my research about C-sections and my options for C-sections and, you know, kind of what would happen if I were to have a C-section and my rights with having a C-section, like, that I can't have my baby placed on my chest right away or that I can, if they're okay, you know, or I can't ask to have a clear draper, I can have Nick with me or I can, you know, ask those things, just knowing your options and knowing and feeling empowered and hearing a lot of different stories um, about birth. I feel like some people will say like, oh, just focus your attention on like parenting classes. But I think honestly, the first step to parenting is how you feel about your birth. And like, if you go into your birth and you're completely traumatized and you come home with this little baby and you're still dealing with that trauma and you have zero support because you didn't ask your provider how they would support you postpartum or all those little things like you aren't setting yourself up for success to like go into parenting the best way possible and I don't say that to shame anybody like I don't want anyone to feel shame if they didn't do that with their first or second or whatever but it's just like an encouragement like if you're scared to have a baby and like come into parenthood like turn that fear into empowerment and like do your work and do your research and 
um, feel good about your experience. That's what I'd say. (laughs) Yeah, that's great advice. (laughs) No, that's great advice. I feel like for anybody just, and we're lucky because there is so much information out there now and it's easy to to look at all the the options that you have so that's i'd also recommend everyone to listen to evidence-based birth which is a podcast but it's also a blog and she's like very unbiased and she literally just goes through a bunch of case studies because i feel like there's just a lot of anecdotal things about having a baby or being pregnant like oh like don't do this or do this and it's kind of like old wives tales but she like really breaks down and is very like statistical about everything and has a lot of data and research and is just like these are the facts and it helps you make a good decision that you feel good about yeah well thanks for telling us your whole story and like informing us because we I just feel like we don't have these conversations enough and especially as like young women like I feel like until your friends have babies, like, I didn't know really anything about having babies until my friends had babies, like, at all. I had never, like, read a birth story. Like, I didn't know. So I think it's so good for us to to learn because if we don't hear it from each other, like, who are we going to hear it from? Yeah. It is cool to, like, hear everyone's story and know, like, everyone's so different and, like, bringing a baby into this world is like the most special thing and like if you do choose to have children like that's gonna be a day you remember the rest of your life and how you feel about it matters and it's it's really cool okay next week we're going to be talking about the importance of good adult friends and how to maintain those healthy friendships and I guess it'll be around Thanksgiving so maybe we'll just talk about what we're thankful for oh I love that awesome thank you for listening to snack circle it's been so fun to get this podcast off the ground and we're so thankful for our listeners yeah leave us a review if you enjoyed this episode and we'll see you guys next week bye